Hey guys, finally we're finished with round one. It's been going for a couple of weeks. Anyway, I'm T Better and this is the Bulletin. You know why you're here. It's episode 006. And uh, if you've been listening to the last couple of podcasts, you know we normally get a pretty clever guest on. And this week we've got probably the Gandalf of AFL fantasy. He's a very wise man, played between the years, and he's always willing to give us a hand on a Friday morning with a scramble. Of course, I'm talking about Dunny. How are you, mate? And welcome to the show. Thanks, Steve. It's uh, one of the more interesting introductions I've ever had. <laughs> How's things going with uh, with your fantasy? How, how was your weekend? Yeah, not, uh, not the best start in the world for me, mate, but uh, it's a start nonetheless. Oh, no worries. Well, who was your, the guys that let you down if you did have such a great crap? Uh, in the free hit, I took Buddy. And uh, clearly, oh. that didn't work for me very well at all. So in uh, in AFL fantasy, I scored twenty one thirteen, which put me uh, fifteen thousand eight hundred and forty two. And in the uh, real dream team, two thousand thirty three, which ranked me at six four seven four. Yeah, so pretty standard scores there, I would say. Yeah, you know, you know the range, but obviously you know your stuff and you'll come back from that. Obviously, the boys have done really well. I think we oh. we should give them some kudos here. Yeah. Yeah, that was sensational. They're very unlucky for wanting to cop the green vest this week. You would think so, being 24th overall and out of three blokes uh, to be sitting yeah. with some green attire on. Uh, personally, I'll, I finished 2072 in Real Dream Team. I let down by a couple of guys on the Sunday afternoon games. That ranked me around about 4,450. Had a much better week in AFL Fantasy, though, 2318, which uh, had me at 218. So, look, a good week for me, probably a, a personal best in terms of round one, but. When you're, when you're up against the DT Talk boys, um, you know, it loses a bit of shine. Anyway, I just talk, talk about your scramble. I, I read it every Friday, obviously, and, and the one thing I liked about this week in particular is that you said uh, with the old men, don't write them off straight from the get-go. Yeah, I mean, there's some of the older guys out there do seem to still be getting those scores. Um, one guy who, in, in my, uh, my supported team, Porter, like Kane Corns, just getting the job done. Absolutely. Um, racked up another great score this week. And I think a lot of people write these guys off because they are getting older. Absolutely. And he's one who was definitely off my radar. I actually told my brother to stay away and he put him as captain. So it shows how much he listens to me. Um, Nick Rewalt was the one that I was very impressed with, a KPP, 125 points up forward. So, look, there's a lot of old guys out there, but, you know, exception rather than the rule can come through and those old guys are some of them. Look, we're just going to quickly just go over what we're, we're doing today. We're going to go game by game. Uh, we don't normally do this, but... You know, with only five games on with a split round, I guess, we'll go through that in a little bit more detail and then we'll get into some of the round two AFL fantasy stuff. So let's get straight into it. We are Geelong, the greatest team of all. We are Geelong, we're always on the ball. We play the game. Okay, so straight into the Geelong versus Adelaide game here. And I guess the biggest story was from this game was... Uh, Joel Selwood had hamstring and foot issues but came back with 132 Dream Team points and 157 Supercoach. Thank you very much. So did you consider him coming into round one, Dunny? I must say I didn't, and it was really those hamstring and foot issues that put me off more than anything, but clearly they weren't an issue for him. Yeah, he was huge. Obviously, three round low votes, if anyone watched that game. A couple of other big scores. Stevie J finished with 31 touches and 121 DT, just doing the things that he normally does. Uh, Corey Enright, 108, another one of those old guys that we talk about, along with Bartell, 99, and Sam Jacobs was a bit of a smoky Ruckman pick for people with 108 points. But what I want to talk about in this game was the mid-price madness. We had a few guys in there that looked really, really good. Yeah, definitely. Um, a very popular pick, I think, was Josh Caddy. And you know, he scored the 85, and I think he was 
He certainly showed enough for me. He got a kick in the head from his captain to go with it. Absolutely, yeah. When you get the kick from kick in the face, and you go on to, I think he had forty three or something points after half time. So look, he's ticking all the boxes. I mean, he just looked really good. Like he was getting a lot of uh, kudos from the commentators, and I enjoyed watching him. Matthew Wright was a a, a big preseason troll last year, and he did the same thing this year. Although he's come out in round one once again with one hundred and eight points. Did you get on board? No, I did not. I had him last year, and you know he came out with a, he came out with a hundred plus last year in the first round, and then I traded him out after round two last year as well. I suppose as a port boy, you um you know turned you off. Obviously, I haven't got him either, so I'll see what happens with the round two fantasy hit, whether I get on board or stay away. Matthew Gench was another mid pricer. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but oh well. He had <laughs> awesome. He had 89 points in a backline role. What you, what's your thoughts on him? Yeah, I actually don't mind him. Um, bit of a unique, I guess, because not a lot of people will be picking him up. But he's certainly impressed, and they've got the, a few injuries there still at the moment. So yeah, there's, there's, there's a couple of guys that need to come back in, obviously. So a lot of those guys seem to be long term. Uh, Ricky Henderson today got put on the LTI list, so uh, that looks like he's stepped right into his role, and he had a great first up effort. Uh, with the rookies, Lincoln McCarthy is probably the only one who I would be considering going forward. However. Only 46 DT, but he did look pretty solid. Brody Martin and Sam Shaw were the other guys who were in that sort of price range who played in the game. Both scored sub-40s, and I don't think um, they're the kind of guys that we want, especially with us, a lot of the other defender rookies stepping up. Would you agree with that? Yeah, mate, that's, that sounds good to me. I mean, there's, there's none, there was no real rookies in that game that I was looking at either, to be honest. In terms of premiums, uh, I think there's one guy who disappointed us all. Are you thinking the same thing I'm thinking? Uh, absolutely, a bit of danger in this guy. <laughs> absolutely. Look, he did get locked down by Cam Guthrie, and 68 points is disappointing, but let's remember that the umpiring in that game was a little bit different to what we've seen across, I guess, last year and the rest of the round this season. He got absolutely done by the umpires, so there was a lot of off-the-ball stuff. 17 of his 21 possessions were contested, which is uh, amazing even for him, and I reckon that, you know, with... With umpiring coming back down to earth, he'll definitely drop back down to around the 58% mark in terms of contested possessions that he's been going at for like the past three years. Will you be sticking with him in your round two fantasy side, Danny? Oh, definitely, mate. I, I, you know, that's going to be his lowest score of the year, I reckon. Um, the interesting one there was you mentioned your Cam Guthrie was sticking with him. Not someone we really thought of much in the past as a, a primo tagger. Maybe he's going to be doing that role this year. Well, yeah, that's very interesting, and a lot of people have got on board him as well as a, as a mid-price defender. He had 79 off the top of my head, but that included 11 tackles, so uh, a mixed bag from him, but if, you know, if, if he's doing that role, then I guess we're going to have to start looking at what he's doing going into each game. Hamish McIntosh was uh, probably the last guy I want to talk about in this game. He was you know, obviously around the same price as Sandy, and, and lots of people did get on board. 19 hitouts and 61 dream team. Is that enough for you to consider him for round two? I don't think I'll be getting on board him for round two. I I was thinking he was going to probably cop the best. Yeah. But um, I think he was you know, he was good for his first game back. I mean, that, that's all you can take out of it. Is he going to be able to run out 22 games? Yeah. Yeah, probably not. Not seeing as he hadn't played for over 600 or something days before round one in a home and away match. All right, that's it for Adelaide. Let's go on to Essendon versus North. See the I haven't had my captain in this game, uh, and I'm really happy that I picked Joe Watson for captain. I don't think there was anyone out there actually playing him on, on him, was there? No, there wasn't, and he actually hasn't been tagged that often in the past. Um, I, I was alerted to on the weekend, so 
he was my captain after I took Swanee from a vice captain uh, the week before, so I was really happy that one paid off. Wow. Um, you know, I went with him this year because I thought he was a bit underpriced uh, after he had that injury against Port last year. Yeah, absolutely. I got on board on him uh, very late in the piece. I was looking at him and, and he finally made him to my side and, I, and that was the 11th hour decision that actually paid off for me. So I'm pretty happy to have him. Dyson Heppel was a guy that I hadn't considered, but he did just as well. 150 DT points with 16 marks, which was pretty massive for a midfielder. Absolutely. And I think everyone ignored him because he lost that defender status this year. And I was one of those people. I didn't even consider him for my midfield. But if he's going to be putting out those numbers, there's someone we're going to have to really look at. Anyone else that you like from that game, Johnny? Oh, yeah, man, Chappie. <laughs> 100, 106 points. Lived off at the end of the game, but we're told that he's okay. It was just a bit of a knock. Apparently. Uh, you know, they told us in pre-season he was only going to play, was it about 16 games or something like that? They did mention that, and that scared me off massively, but he's still got that scoring ability, obviously. Yeah, um, I'm not sure how many goals he had in that 106, but he certainly kicked a few. I think it was about four sausage rolls there, so... Yeah. He was doing all right. A guy on the other end who we didn't expect to see back from round one here, but he had 96 points. He was going all right. Yeah, I, I actually read him off, and I think in the, uh, the early edition of the Scramble, if you read it really early before I edited it, I actually had that he was out, because I had no idea he was playing. Oh, I've done that um, before. He was down <laughs> in the pre-season game with a hammy, and it looked like he was going to be out for a number of weeks. Yeah, well, they called three weeks, about one week away from the season, so he was straight off my draft radar, obviously, and um, I wasn't yeah. going to pick up a guy who was underdone, but... Uh, he yeah he he looked awesome and uh, he was mopping up and doing his little dynamic thing across the back line again. A guy that was a little bit injured though, uh, Goldstein with a shoulder yeah. injury. What can you say about that? Yeah, Goldstein, someone that I've had last year and I really considered him this year, and you know he soldiered on really well the other night. We're told that he's going to come up for this week, but gee, I reckon it, it could be a game time decision, even if he's named on Thursday night. Um, the big man that's going to benefit from this is a guy who rode my bench all last year, probably yours, <laughs> Dan Curry. I'm not sure at this moment whether they're going to just leave him as emergency, and as you said, might be a, a last-minute inclusion for Goldstein, or maybe they'll end up uh, taking him in as a helper for him in the game, because if they'd had him in this in round one, they would have uh, been a lot better positioned, because Goldstein couldn't even get his shoulder above his head from what I could see. So. And- and I believe it was his dominant hand too, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, and he still won the hit out, so <laughs> shows how good he was going. But yeah. how good was Essendon overall against the against North Melbourne? Oh, I thought they were great. Um, plenty of run, and they, I mean, they just beat them at the contested ball, and they seemed to have much more, a lot more numbers around the ball, um, and they just used it so much better. They did, and they had a lot of short, chippy stuff, which we hadn't seen from them in the past. A bit Hawthorne-ish. A couple of stats, 450 to 291 in disposals. That's huge. 157 to 73 in marks, most of them obviously uncontested, which uh, overall ended up being a 2012 to 1289 thrashing in the Dream Team scoring. So, look, if you're, you can't come back from that, and it's no surprise a lot of their guys are a bit more disappointing. Did you see a few yeah. scores there that, um, that worried you a bit? Well, I mean, everyone jumped on this rookie, Luke McDonald. Um, 53 points. He was only on the 30 at the three-quarter time. He did have a good last quarter, but uh, is that enough at his price? I don't know. Look, I've got him in real dream team, obviously, because we can't make any last-minute changes to that format of the game, but I'm I'm really considering not starting with him in AFL Fantasy Round 2 stuff. So, look, we'll talk about that a little bit later, but you're right. McDonald, uh, very slow start, and he gave away a couple of goals to kick off the yeah. game, but he worked into it really well. 
Okay, Hawthorne versus Brisbane down in, uh, well, Launceston, I think, was it? I hope Uh Launceston, yeah. Launceston. The biggest news from that game is Rocky tagging Sam Mitchell. And uh, look, it was like two magnets repelling each other. They uh, affected each other's games. Rocky with just the 96 and Sam Mitchell with 68. Did you have either of those guys? Uh, I've got Sam. I didn't end up going in with Rocky. Not sure why. I don't think he just fitted my structure more than anything else. But that was a really disappointing score from Sam Mitchell. Absolutely. And I guess, you know, when he gets attention, that's to be expected. But he's been tagged in the past, and he's obviously surpassed uh, 68 points on most of those occasions. So, look, that's a bit concerning for us, especially a lot of people who do have him in the back line. Uh, the other concerning factor is Rocky is now tagging, and I thought that was very interesting, especially as, you know, we all had the hatred of Voss in, as in fantasy terms last year and, and how he would use uh, Rockliff in, in weird roles. But I thought Lepich coming in, you know, Rocky getting 18 of a possible 24 Brownlow votes in the last eight rounds last year, I thought he'd play his, you know, his best midfielder in the midfield as a midfielder. Do you think this will continue or is it just a one-off kind of thing? Yeah, I'm really worried by that myself. I was really surprised to see him in that tagging role. Will it continue? I think, um, I don't think it will. I think after he did that role, yeah, he took out Sam Mitchell, but they didn't really get enough of the ball to actually go forward and score themselves. So I think he's better off just playing that midfield, playing his own game and helping the Lions go forward that way. Well, look, hopefully that's the case. And obviously he's been suspended for one week for a little cheeky little elbow to Sam Mitchell, who probably deserved it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I mean... People might trade him out, people might not, but I guess that'll be a good thing to think about if you do have Rocky. Lucky you don't. Uh, other Hawks who did really well, uh, Birchall, 103 in, in one of his first games of the year. He looked really good. Hodge in the back line, uh, I think we'll see more of that. He had 93 Dream Team points. Rothhead and Gunston both jumped it up with 98 and 92. And Ben McAvoy was uh, one of the main premium Ruckman uh, choices. He a little bit underpriced. He had 89. He looked pretty good. Yeah, he does look good. Uh, I had him in my structure most of the preseason. I actually ended up taking him out at the end and put uh, Dean Cox in there. But uh, I think Ben McAvoy is going to have a really good season. Yeah, well, in the round two fantasy, I guess he's some guy who, you know, you can watch him in the first rounds and see whether he's playing the role that you like, and then you can make a decision then, which is certainly what I've been looking at in terms of the first mm. premium Ruckman. Uh, other notes from the game, Will Langford was probably the best rookie on the day. He had 70 points, and he was in and around the clinches all game. Looks like he's got a bit of job security in that tagging role. Obviously, one of the great parts about that is that Liam Shear was another uh, mid-price madness uh, candidate. He had 106, and he started like a house on fire. Yeah, he's, he was someone who a lot of people ended up taking late, uh, particularly because you know Langford was going to take that tagging role away from him. But uh, I must admit, I didn't look at him all that closely, but I think I'm going to have to now. Especially, yeah. Again, once again, the round two fantasy, that's the best thing about that free here is that we do get one round of the actual stuff to have a look at, guys. And I think I've done a massive 180 on this. I'm really liking the way that um, the way that, that worked and, and what it does for the stress of us dream team coaches. A couple of other mid-price guys to look at. Zorko had 93, and he also started really, really strongly. I think he only had one point in the last quarter or, or something like that. So he obviously stopped once Hawthorne kicked on. Suckling in his in his first AFL uh, home and away season match since uh, he hurting that knee, 85 points, and he looked pretty good as well. Will you be taking him into your R3 fantasy? Yeah, I'll be taking him into my R3 fantasy. Uh, I think he's 
Yeah, I think I'm going to have to. I, I really like this game, and he's just so damaging when he can go forward. And you know, sometimes he does drift forward and kick a goal, which will certainly help that scoring as well. Yeah, he did that on the weekend. What did you think of the other all the other rookies in there? A few of them got subbed. Yeah, um, O'Brien certainly got a few early, and he had, I think he got a couple of goals early on, didn't he? And uh, didn't really do much after that. Yeah, he looked okay, and they, the commentators started saying he's the best 23 since Brereton and that sort of stuff. So that was interesting. <laughs> But uh, probably not accurate. Uh, Close and O'Brien were the two ones, two key forwards, I guess, subbed out by their respective teams, and they both got sub-40. Wanganin and Lewis Taylor came on uh, very late in the piece and didn't get much of a crack at it. Game was over by then. But a guy to look at is Lewis Taylor. He's bottom price in Dream Team, pretty close to it in AFL Fantasy as well. And uh, they picked him with no pre-season, so... Keep a close eye on him as an upgrade target, especially if you get some sub-vests along the way in the meantime. All right, I think that's it for Hawthorne Brisbane. Let's get straight into Melbourne versus St Kilda. Melbourne winning favourite good game for the first time in ages against the Saints the, the other night. Not sure how that came about, but certainly didn't work out for them, but... It worked out well for us, uh, Dream Teamers, because there were some really good scores and some really good players in this game that we really want to look at. Luke Dunstan from the Saints, 106 points. Really like his game. I saw him the other week when he played Port in a trial game here in Adelaide, and I, I thought this kid can really play. Yeah, absolutely. He's in my team, and he was the guy I was watching all game. And I'm, I'm stoked that I decided to play him on the field. I just thought his job security, uh, in a, you know, obviously a rebuilding Saints side, and and with obviously the scoring punch that he showed, in, especially in that last pre-season um, practice match, I thought he was a lock on the field, and I'm glad that he, he showed what he can do. Uh, Dom Tyson was another rookie that we're all pretty keen on, 116 points. Tell me you got him, Dunny. Oh, I've got him, that's for sure. Um, he seems to have got his body and his head right now that he's come back down to Melbourne uh, after spending some time at GWS. He just, he really looked good. Uh, I couldn't say much more about him. Yeah, I've heard a few people get a little bit um, upset about his disposal, but I didn't actually notice anything while I was watching the game, and I was watching very closely because there was a fair few rookies in this match. There was. Another guy who was really popular was Viv Mitchie, who came across from Frio. A bit disappointing with his 65, though. Yeah, you know, not, not enough for you, Danny? Not, uh, not what I was hoping for, but certainly enough to keep his spot and to make some cash, but I, I guess there was a bit higher expectation. Yeah, that's probably our fault, though. Um, he had very uh, low percentage time on ground in, in the preseason, so that probably put his points per minutes up a little bit. I do think 65 for a, you know, a midfield rookie is not the worst, and obviously we, we didn't mention James Aish in the last one, but he was roundabouts, and I, and I really like the stuff from him. The other rookie uh, in this game that I'd probably consider trading in if you don't already have him, Alexis Giorgio, I think I'm saying that correctly, he had 54, and he seemed to get a lot more of the ball than I actually noticed, judging from his stats. Yeah, I was the same. I didn't really notice him that much, but I guess that's we're not used to seeing some of these guys and we hadn't seen him before. But uh, he's a rookie list guy who's been promoted, so that's something just to keep an eye on. Uh, I can't remember who he is actually covering at the moment, but if he stays in that team, I think he's got some reasonable security there. Yeah, I think it's Garland. I think he might be back in, in two or three, maybe even sooner. So... We'll watch him very closely, although they have had some uh, serious injury issues with their tolls. Fitzpatrick was uh, concussed and is fighting 
to come back for the next game. And uh, McDonald uh, had a really bad corky uh, and he soldiered on, but he's very doubtful for round two. A couple of the other rookies in that game, Jay Kennedy-Harris, 31 as a sub. Eli Templeton looked pretty good with 45. And Jack Billings didn't get much of a crack at it, but showed a little bit of flair with 14 as a substitute. But look, I think the, the story of the game was the ruse effect and what he did for Melbourne and their scoring. Yeah, I think they're, they're certainly on the right track and Bernie Vince uh, came across and he's a big part of that game. you got Jack Watts as well and uh, Daniel Cross across from the, the Doggies. Those three guys really were, along with probably uh, Nathan Jones, were the heart of that team. Absolutely. Tom Hickey, uh, a lot of guys considering him as a mid-pricer. No Billy Longer. Did he show you enough? I think he did. Um... I had him in my structure again all pre-season, but then I took him out at the last minute. I was just a bit nervous about him. He did score the 85, but he didn't really have a huge amount of competition. I'd like to see him come up against a, a really, you know, a big name like well. Uh, that's Spencer, you're obviously, you're talking about there. I mean, I don't even know who he is, to be honest, so I don't think I've ever seen him. I didn't see him too much on the weekend. Uh, but he did beat Tom Hickey, who's apparently a really good tap ruckman. He beat him in the hitouts. 40 to 24. So, look, he's obviously got something, and he's going to have to come up against Sinclair as well, the, the trio of Eagles Ruckman next week. So, look, very interesting to see what happens with him, especially in draft leagues. But we'll get into Tom Hickey a little bit later. But for me, I have to go back to the ruse effect. That he, as Melbourne still lost the game, but won the Dream Team scoring 16 38 to 15 79. So, I don't think this year they're going to get punished anywhere near as much as they did around the stoppages and with and with actual possession of the ball. I mean, last year we saw them getting beaten by you know 300 to 500 points regularly in the dream team. So, so look, I'm pretty happy with that, and, and and look, it shows that a lot of our rookies, even though they're playing for Melbourne, can still score pretty well. Eagles versus Bulldogs, and I'm pretty pumped about this. Surprisingly, it's not all about Scooter. It's my new boy, Jackson McRae. He was awesome. 122 Dream Team points, 31 touches, and two pretty good goals. He looks a bit like a ball magnet. Uh, what do you think, Dunny? Do you like him? I really like him. Uh, I'm a little annoyed that I didn't go in with him in Super Coach and Real Dream Team, but he's a massive chance to make his way into my AFL fantasy team this week. Yeah, I think he's got to be. He has to be right up there with Shields for one of those guys, and we'll talk about that a little bit a little bit later. But, look, I'm very happy with how much of the ball he got in a in a loss, and especially as a second-year player. Mark Lacroix also had a fair bit of it. 25 touches, 10 marks, and 5 goals. Thank you very much. That gave him 139 points, and he looks like he might be getting in the midfield a little bit more this year, especially compared to Jack Darling, who didn't actually seem to get in there with his 96. Have you got any of those guys in your team? I don't, but I, I really like Mike Lacroix. I think I had him uh, last year for a while. Uh, he, he, can, he has this ability to really score well. Uh, he, I really did like his game because he won me an ultimate footy game, which was great. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he's, he's a guy who he'll bob up and get his three or four goals, but he gets plenty of the ball through the middle. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, yeah, especially this year. I mean, last year he averaged around about 85, and he didn't actually have that good of a year if um, people remember. His kicking was a bit off, and he seemed a bit shaky, but look, he can absolutely blitz that if he gets the midfield time he got. As I mentioned before, Jack Darling didn't actually get in towards the midfield as much as uh, he had been over the preseason, and probably what Simo said that he was going to. He still hit the four goals, though, so that was 96 points for him, but he won't do that every week. So, look, that's just a buyer beware on that. One guy you don't need to worry about, though, Dean Cox. 
108 DT points despite the Eagles rolling with the three rucks. You said you uh, you bought him, didn't you? Yeah, I bought him in late and uh, really glad with that. I guess it was one of those things where I sort of lost my nerve on some of these other guys. I said, no, nah, I'm just going to go with the tried and true guy, Coxie. When I saw Nat Nui line up at that first bounce, I thought, oh, no, I've made a massive <laughs> To his credit, he just came out and pulled his 108 points. And he, I mean, the other good thing is that he will rest up forward and kick some goals as well. Yeah, especially like he did two years ago in 2012. Mm. He kicked over 20. So, look, you must be rolling with the with the classic set-and-forget Cox and Sandy combo, would you? I am indeed, mate. Wow, who would have thought two 32-ish year olds chilling there in your rucks? Looking across the grounds, uh, Scooter had 113 despite tagging Liberatore, which was a bit of a, a downer for me. I had him as captain, unfortunately, 84 points, and he didn't really seem to get into it. Yeah, I was a bit disappointed as well with Liberatore. He had so much hype and he had a really good pre-season. Uh, the Scooter tag probably didn't help him a great deal, of course, oh, but yeah. I did have Scooter, so I was really happy with his 113. I that- think Libra will come good. It might just take a bit more time than we thought. Scooter's one of the best two-way players in the competition, so I'm crossing my fingers that that was just a little bit of one-off. And I guess Griffin was a big factor in that. If Griffin had been playing, he would no doubt have been taken by Scooter, and we probably would have seen a bigger performance by Liberatore. So, look, fellow Liberatore owners, have a close look on what's happening with uh, with Griffin, and if he's going to be out for an extended period of time, maybe trading uh, Libra out before the round two or the round three price changes might be the way to go. Look, another guy from that game who really let me down, and it always seems to happen on Sundays, Chris Marson was pretty poor with his 67 uh, Dream Team points. I didn't see him get around it at all. Um, he was running very hard all game because I was watching, trust me, and uh, they seemed to go over his head and, and a little bit longer under Simpson's game plan. So did you like him and am I an idiot for picking him? I don't think you're. I don't think it was a bad selection. As uh, he just didn't seem to get anywhere near it on yeah. Sundays. I'm not afraid to make uh, make changes or fix my players, but uh, hopefully he shows. I mean, if he can't score against Melbourne this week, then hey, I'm pretty sure he's going to get the arse. Like that should be really the, the litmus test that he needs. Uh, Xavier Ellis, we talked about him a little bit before the show off air. 56 Dream Team points. Uh, you said you expected a little bit more from him. Yeah, I was hoping for a little bit more. I guess he'd had a really good pre-season. I was probably lowered into a bit of sense of security from that. I think the the key for him, though, is that job security. You've got a guy who's cheap. He's going to play. He's going to make some cash, maybe not as much as we'd hoped, but you know, a playing rookie, well, not rookie, but a playing cheap guy is valuable. Absolutely, yeah. He might just sit there at M9 or M10 there for me, just uh, let some of the younger guys like you know the Dunstons and the Dom Tysons of the world uh, hit the positions on the field. Other rookies in the game, Dom Sheed was green-vested, 11 points, which is to be expected. Jamie Burnell was a sneaky uh, rookie guy. He had 45 points, but he's not, a, he's not a scorer. He's playing a lockdown defensive role. But we come to the main attraction in this game. <laughs> you know who I'm talking about, oh, Sean Higgins. Oh, what were you thinking when Nick Nat came through and just uh, almost knocked him out? What do you reckon about that? Uh, oh, no, not again, because I am an owner. <laughs> so am I. I'm embarrassed to say. This is like a, this is like a never-again anonymous sort of group. We all say stay away from him, but a lot of us are getting tricked into him again and again. But look, 78 points was a pretty good return from what actually happened with his, getting his head cut open. 39 points in both halves. Yeah, I think he's he's going to get you the... I think 78 is probably about his basement. I think he'll probably score around about that Ooh, or cool. more each week. So, you know, Sean Higgins is on my never again list, but, yeah, I'd never say never. Never say never. All right, we'll, we'll play this back a little bit later when he inevitably dogs us. <laughs>
Okay, AFL Fantasy has unlimited trades for those who don't know, so we're pretty much making what is going to be our starting squad for round two. And I've noticed making my team, it seems like we've got a lot more cash to play with. Johnny, what's your thoughts? It does seem that way, doesn't it? Um, I seem to be able to keep fitting guys in that I didn't think I could afford. Well, you were just telling me off air a second ago, you have six uh, forward line primos. I do, and I was quite surprised when I when I looked at that. So I've really stacked my forward line and playing a lot more uh, rookies in my midfield. That's very interesting because that's pretty much the opposite of what I'm doing. I'm well, I'm not not stacking the forward line, but in the midfield, I've seen a lot of guys that I like in there, and I'm going a little bit of mid price madness with uh, with my AFL fantasy, which uh, could be fraught with danger. But I think after the round one success I had with a lot of these guys, I'm going to have to ride that in a little bit. In terms of your structure, you've got 14 rookies, is that correct? Yeah, I've got 14 rookies, I've got three mid-prices, and I've got 13 primos. Wow, you've fitting a lot of premiums in there. and I know that you said uh, Zorko was your last uh, forward, so that shows how much cash you're spending up forward, which is pretty awesome strategy, and I'll, I might have a cheeky look at that myself. In terms of my teams between the, the two uh, the two main competitions, I've, uh, I've been able to fit uh, 11 rookies into my AFL Fantasy side compared to 14 in Dream Team. So I'm getting a lot more on-field help from a lot of mid-prices and, and premiums, and I'm only going to have to play those those three rookies uh, in the first round, which is something that was probably unheard of before, playing so few rookies in a team. And I think I'm pretty happy with the guys I've got, and being able to do that, that's uh, that's pretty interesting. Do you think over the course of the year that this might uh, come back to to bite us in terms of the enjoyment factor because the last year a lot of teams were basically done around about round 15 do you reckon it's going to be uh, the same super situation this year at all? I don't think it will and I think that's been evidenced I guess by the different strategies that we've taken just the two of us and I think it's really that there are so many different options now particularly with the mid prices uh, and the way that AFL fans have priced their players this year yeah yeah, a lot of those rookies uh, we find a little bit more expensive. So if you want the quality guys, you have to pay for them in that version of the game, which uh, someone like James Aish, he had a reasonably good game on the weekend, but you know, is he worth the 200 and I think 230-ish that he's priced at in AFL Fantasy, or would you rather go with someone like a Pollock or a Xavier Ellis? Especially Xavier Ellis might not have the same you know, scoring power over the course of the year, but he's half the price. Yeah, he is. And the other one you mentioned there was Pollock. I mean... He's still a bit cheaper than those premium rookies, and I think he's got a much higher ceiling than what they have. Absolutely. Look, in terms of mid-prices, where have you gone with those guys? You must have must have a couple in the back line, by the sounds of it. Yeah, so uh, Dave Swallow and Suckling in the back line are the guys for me. Um, very hard to go past Swallow, particularly after his game last week. Yeah, that's, a, that's, a, that's just... I'm sorry to cut it in there, but yeah. it seems like a lot of people... Um, we basing their round two selections solely on round one. Now, obviously, Swallow's had a great preseason. I'm not saying him in isolation, but uh, a lot of other players seem to uh, really impress people in round one. Do you think people are going to get a little bit tricked by a couple of players? There are a couple of pretenders in there that you'll be staying away from? Oh, I think there will be, and we saw that, I think it was last year, wasn't it, where we had uh, Vickery put oh, yeah, the God. game. Absolutely, and uh, Westhoff um, had a great start to the year, but sort of uh, popped out a couple of 30s there, so... Look, I think the most important thing to take out of the, uh, the round one for you, looking at your round two team, is that you need to base it on predominantly your pre-season research. I think that's probably the message that we'll be setting through. Do you agree? Absolutely. I mean, as you said, Dave Swallow scored 114. Yeah, a lot of people jump on, but 
he's been firmly locked in my side for a lot of weeks now. Yeah, you have a look at those guys who've had the great score in round one, but you've got to sort of temper that a bit. Luke Dunstan we talked about before. Yeah, he scored 106. He is cheap. He will stay in my team. But what you need to look at is this week you're going to have Montagna and Lenny Hayes coming back. Are there going to be the points there for him to pick up? So who scored really well and had players missing that they picked up those points? That's a great point, especially with Dunstan. And there's other guys in that sort of situation. Look, for, in my midfield, uh, one thing I know today, I don't have any of Swan, Ablett, uh, Pendlebury or Steve Johnson, which is unheard of for my teams. Have you overlooked any of those guys or are you rolling with you know some of the big guys? I, I had 20 in my for round one team, and I'm ashamed to say that I've actually had to get rid of him. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> What's he done? What's he done? What, what has Swan done to get off your good list? Well, 97's what he did. <laughs> well, this is the opposite of what we were saying before. Is uh, On the back of that one score, will the wise coaches be the ones who overlook the round one score and pick the guys that a lot of the masses are going to go against? Because this is what I've been thinking of in terms of Liberatore, um, Swan, and there's a couple of other guys like Mark Murphy had lackluster scores first up. Can uh, Will the smart coaches overlook that and get you know the unique factor with a great gun? I think the, this is where the strategy of the two games is really going to pull apart. If it was real dream team, uh, where I do have him, I'll certainly be keeping him. But in AFL Fantasy, where I've got those two trades every week, I can get rid of him, uh, watch his price drop a little bit, and then pick him back up later on. So I've taken him out yeah. and put Pendles in. Um, then I can sort of look at, can I get the cash together to get him back later on once that price comes down? But if I was limited in trades... Definitely not getting rid of him. Great call there. And that's something I'm doing as well, obviously, overlooking the, the big dogs. I'm waiting for their prices to come down and I'll pounce after our uh, after our rookies, I guess, need culling. All right, let's get into the scramble time, Donny. Obviously, you're a, an old hat at this and you've been answering questions and helping us out for a long time. My first question to you, and we've talked about him already, Luke McDonald, is he worth the cash and is he currently in your uh, round two AFL fantasy side? He is in my round two fantasy tide at the moment, and I think basically because of job security more than anything else. He didn't get the vest the other night when he quite easily could have. Yeah. Uh, as you said in our review before, he gave away a couple of goals. So, you know, he could have got that red vest. I don't think he will. I think they like him. He's a, he can be a good ball user at times, so no, he stays. Yeah, as you noted, he worked into the game as we went on. Obviously, my concern there is whether we can... There seems to be actually a good a couple of rookie defenders that we didn't think would come through. Um, Langdon, obviously, will get picked by most coaches, but Langford was pretty good as well. Laidler's doing his thing, and, and you know, Giorgio at a low price, he can't fit him all in. Um, is it ridiculous to think that we can go in without him, or do you just need that job security because it's pretty handy? Oh, it's certainly not ridiculous to go without him, but job security for me is the absolute key. Some of those guys will keep it. I think, you know, Langford... Uh, Langford and Langdon will <laughs> keep their jobs. The rest of them, I think, are a little bit more of a stretch, potentially. Yeah, no worries. All right, question number two. Uh, we talked about him earlier as well, so we're doubling up here a little bit, but would you go a Hickey versus a Primo? And this is based on, on the round one and, and what he's done, and obviously at his low price. Being a risk-averse person, I would go for the Primo. Yeah. Um, in my team, though, at the moment, I guess... We call him a mid-pricer, but I've got Sandy there in the spot that I had for Hickey originally. Yeah, it's not a bad selection, but uh, I like the set if we get rucks. 
Yeah, it's pretty amazing that you could possibly go to mid prices in in the rucks with nothing on the bench and you know and call that a ruck line. So that's uh, obviously very different to what we've done in the past. I'm 50-50 on Hickey personally. I'm not sure where I can sit him at this stage, but I had a lot of extra cash and I've gone on straight up to your boy, Coxie. So I like the security he brings. All right, question number three. So you can only take, uh, let's go with two mid-prices in the midfield. I know you've got none at the moment, but if you had to pick two out of, well, Bernie Vince is a bit more expensive, but Jackson McRae, Liam Shields and uh, Daisy Thomas, who would you be going with and why? Well, tough call. Um... I think I have to go with Shields based on what I've seen. I know we've just said uh, don't always base on one game, but now that we've got Langford in there doing that tagging role, Shields has been released. I like him. Uh, Jackson McRae, I think. He's the other guy that I'd probably go with. I like his game. I think he's not going to get too much attention from the opposition for a while, um, particularly when Ryan Griffin comes back in. They'll be focused on um, Griffin, Boyd, Higgins and those players. So I yeah. really like him. Daisy, oh, I just don't know about him. I don't know that he's back to his best. Yeah, I think with those other guys there showing so much, it's probably a risk we don't have to take or don't have to consider taking. Another mid-price, this is question number four now. Matthew Wright, do we get tricked into him and pick him up or do we not? Because we, after this round, we don't have the, the, the second chance that we've had so far with a free hit. I say don't, but that's really based on, I think, some of the guys that the Crows have got out some of the way that they played, and the fact that he trolled me last year. <laughs> it's, also, it's a personal thing. It's a vendetta. Yeah. Things to remember, we have a Thursday night game this week, which, uh, which basically means we'll have a partial lockout in AFL Fantasy and Real Dream Team. Whereas Supercoach, as always, is the rolling lockout. So, what does that mean for us, uh, DTS, Donny? I guess what it means is that we need to make sure that we've got our Richmond and Carlton guys locked in, yep. uh, ready on Thursday night, because we won't be able to move them when we get to Friday for that partial lockout. Absolutely. So guys like, I guess, your premiums, but also you need to make a call on McDonough for AFL Fantasy. Griffiths as well. Um, a couple of other, like, like Daisy is someone you need to lock in. These The rookies and the mid-prices are going to be the interesting ones. What it also means is loopholes. Absolutely. We love a loophole. We so do. If you look at uh, our VC loopholes on that Thursday night game. So guys that uh, might want to consider Koch, Lydio. That's pretty much it, really, isn't it? Like, I, yeah, I was you know, just trying to think of it then. I couldn't think of another one. No, well, Murphy's the only thing that came to my mind, but uh, I would, I'd probably stay away if you've got one of those other two guys. Personally, and uh, in real dream team, I've got none of them, so I'm just going to be locking in my captain straight up. Uh, just uh, one thing to remind everyone. Uh, in NFL Fantasy, they did say the loopholes were going to be closed, but my sources say they're still wide open. So go nuts, pick the guys, especially this week with, a, with the partial lockout. You can... Uh, Feel free putting on the vice captain and, and captain on whoever you want, and you can change them around as normal for um, for partial lockout. So that's a that's a good thing for us to remember and not to get too stressed about. The other thing you did mention before is the price changes are happening for AFL fantasy after round two. Now we're usually uh, used to after round three in real dream team that will continue in that version of the game, but after round two is the way that uh, that it's looking in AFL fantasy. Yeah, and just one other thing to note on that is that it's not three games that a guy plays before their price changes. It will be after their first game. Exactly. After every single game, even rookies, debutantes, people coming up from injury, it's one game now. And look, I guess it's, it, 
we probably should mention the how the price changes are a little bit different in AFL Fantasy this year. Obviously, in Dream Team, we, we're used to the three-round moving average and pretty much you know 75% of their old price plus 25% of their moving average. That's how it's worked in the past. Uh, so far, based on what we've been told by Fan Hub and, and people in the know, is that it will be based over a larger um, sample size, so not three games, might be five games, might be seven, might be ten, I'm not sure. But it will be... Uh, based over a larger sample of scores, and it will be also weighted to your more recent games. So, well, I guess uh, something to keep a very close eye on after round two and see um, what that means. Absolutely, and it's something we just need to roll with and we'll get used to it as the season goes on. We won't be able to predict exactly, but you know, by the time we get halfway through the year, we'll have a fair idea what those changes are going to mean. People will be right onto it. You can bet Monty will be on it at fan footy and, and people in the same sort of position. Uh, and real dream team, Dunny, uh, as a scrambler yourself, should we be using our trades or should we be shelving them? Real dream team and super coach, don't touch them. Yep. Uh, leave them there. You've got another week to go before any of those prices change in the real dream team. So I would be sitting back and waiting. Particularly also, you, you, know what, you don't want to trade out a guy and trade in someone who gets injured. So. Oh, that's a good point. Um, and I guess the one sort of exception to that rule is if you've got someone who's injured already, someone like a yeah. Jimmy Webster or a Jack Martin, yeah, you can make the trade now and then next week give you the choice at another two fix-up trades if you need. All right, let's close up shop now. Big call of the week, Dunny. Big call. Um, after what I saw in the round one, my big call is that this drop in scoring from Swanee in his first game may be a sign of things to come. With wow. Pendles and Beamer in the midfield, and Swanee playing a bit more forward, maybe his days of averaging over 110 could be numbered. That is almost blasphemy. Um, coming from the Gandalf of <laughs> AFL Fantasy footy then. Wow, that's a big call. So uh, I guess obviously you're not going in AFL Fantasy. Will you, geez, will you be you know, tempted to put the captaincy on him this week or will you stay right away until you get more, more data, I guess? I think I'll be looking for another option for a captain potentially. Uh, I'm sure Calvin will never talk to me again. <laughs> Scandalous. Actually, he said today that he might be looking at other options on AFL Fantasy as well, which is... A heartbreaking little break up there. So, look, my big call of the week, uh, it's probably not that big for people who have been talking to me in the last week. Jack McRae, got him in my AFL fantasy team, have him in both my draft leagues. I love the kid. I reckon he's the first guy in a long time who's going to average 95 plus in his second year. And, you know, we have, we've heralded second year scores such as Gaff, Rocky, and Wingard over the last few years, and, you know, they only got all high 80s. So, that would be a massive result for him. Uh, in terms of his ability to get there, he's got the basketball background, uh, which, you know, he was touted as the next Pendles in the draft. He put on 10 kilos of bulk over the preseason. In that time, he had 133 DT points per 100 minutes. All signs point to a breakout, and I'm firmly on board in AFL Fantasy. Well, guys, make sure you stay tuned to the site. You can follow us at, at tbetter9 and at pkd73. And, uh, yeah, make sure you catch up with Dunny on, is it Friday this week or Thursday with the early game, Dunny? No, it'll still be on Friday, mate. <laughs> Don't want to push forward any deadlines there for you. <laughs> awesome. All right, guys, thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll see you next time. Have a great week. So, thanks, you better see you, guys.